want to continue with the flow of the Spirit and, and just kind of share briefly what the Lord put on my heart for this morning. You want the word today? Yes. It flows beautifully with what God is doing in our church today. Um, Happy New Year, by the way. It's a new year. A new year means new beginnings. And I, it's, it's funny because we put a lot of emphasis and hype on, on the new year. The reality is it's just another day. You know, like it's, it's a day like today or tomorrow is going to be. But on a deeper level, it symbolizes something a little more profound in that it signifies the end of one year and the beginning of another. The passing of something old and the beginning of something new. So it creates a lot of opportunity for change. It creates a lot of opportunity for new endeavors and new things in our lives. Amen? So a lot of people say, we're going to have New Year's resolutions and we're going to dive into these new things and believe for, for something new. And, and, and I'm all for that. I believe that you should, you should, you should do those things because here's what I know. Uh, a goal that's not set is never achieved. And a dream that's never pursued is, never becomes a reality in our lives. You know? So I believe that we should set goals and we should pursue big dreams because we serve a God that said in his word that he can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine on our own because of his power that's at work within us. And i got to believe that God wants more for our lives than a wish list of would'ves, could'ves, and should'ves. Yeah. You know? i got to believe that God wants more for our lives than unrealized goals and unrealized potentials and dreams that we never went after and callings that we never pursued. I believe that God wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in our lives. I believe that he's a God that wants to do that. And so as we go into this new year as a church, we're going to be dreaming big dreams, guys. We're going to be setting goals. We're going to be believing God for the impossible because he is a God that can do the impossible. Amen? And I believe that you should because I believe that his purpose for our church goes a lot bigger than us sitting around waiting for something to happen. You know? Um, that's why we chose for the name of this series that we're getting into here at the beginning of the year. We chose the name Take New Ground. Take New Ground. Because we believe that God has called us not to stay where we are, but to move forward into the new territory that he's calling us into. Not just in our personal lives, but corporately as a church too. Amen? Because God's got a big calling on our church. I was in a, a, a meeting, a leadership meeting, Sometime, in, it might have been late October or in November, the leaders and I got together and we were praying and we were talking about goals for the next year and things that we wanted to see God do in, in our lives and what we were believing for God to do in our ministries. And I remember in that, that session that we had, we had a great time of prayer and this, this phrase, take new ground, just dropped into my spirit. I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, this is going to be a year where we take new ground as a church. Not like these clever little churchy phrases that you hear thrown out by so many churches or so many pastors in so many circles. You know, because it's cool to have a theme for the year. You know, uh, and, and that's what happens. And everybody gets hyped up for a couple of weeks and says, Woo, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. That's right. 
things are going to be great in 2008 and, and all this stuff and all these great phrases that people throw out. You know? And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some catchphrase or some punchline or some talking point. I'm talking about us putting ourselves in a position to be used by God to do something powerful in this community. You know, Because I believe that God wants us to take new ground. In this community. And I believe that God wants us to take new ground in ministry in this church and see the ministries of this church expanded. And I believe that God wants us to take new ground in our personal lives too. And that's important because an individual who decides that they want to do something powerful for the kingdom of God is pretty much an unstoppable force. You know, the Bible says that we are the body of Christ, right? You and me, we make up the body of Christ. It says in Scripture that, that God causes his body to grow as each part does its work. So what happens to us personally and what we contribute personally and whether or not we do our part personally impacts the corporate reach of the body. And impacts the growth of the body. Because God causes the body of Christ to grow as each part does its work. So the power of one is incredibly, incredibly important. Amen? Everybody hold up one. Everybody hold up one. One is extremely important. Because the potential of a church doesn't rest in a pastor. You hearing me? The greater potential of a church doesn't rest with a pastor, and it doesn't rest with what a leadership team and a church can do. The potential of a church is hinged upon whether or not we individually become that one that stands up to do our part to ensure that the body of Christ is moving in the right direction. That's when you see the potential of a church unleashed. Now, see, in America, we've got that backwards. Because we're used to showing up to a service and letting the pastor do the work. And most of our approach to things in America, and I'm not talking about this church necessarily, but in America is that that's a great idea. Somebody else should do it. That outreach sounds like a phenomenal idea. I can't wait to see what all those other people do with it. You know? That goal sounds awesome. I can't wait to see how much money all those other people raise for it. You know, it's always somebody else. It's like, I can't wait to see what they do with it. When God hasn't called us to see what they do with it, God has called us to each do our part. Amen? So it's not on a pastor or a leadership team to unlock the potential of the church. The potential of a church is unlocked when we all fall in love with Jesus. When we all get that passion in our heart and we say, I am going to stand and do what God has called me to do. Whether anybody else does it, I'm going to do my part to see the kingdom of God advance in this world. I'm going to do my part to see the blessing of God unlocked in my life. I'm going to do my part to serve my Jesus while I've got breath in my body. When we get that, the potential of a church is unlocked. And you begin to see powerful things happen. So I want to challenge you to do today is this, to stand. I want to challenge you to stand and to do your part. So that we can unlock the potential of this church. 
and see God do something powerful this year like we've never seen before. And I believe that he can. How about you? I believe that he can. You almost convinced me. I believe God can do something impossible through this church this year. How about you? Yeah. I was, you know what, I'm going to walk you through this because we've got some time. There's, there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy who took a stand and made a big difference and made a big impact. And it kind of parallels to us making a stand in our lives because how many of you know it's one thing to talk about us standing up and doing our part but there's a whole lot more involved in that than just shouting this morning when God's been moving so strong because there's real life out there that we've got to deal with along the way amen there's stuff that we're going to have to contend with we've got an enemy out there called the devil who wants to take us out so we're going to spend some time this year busting him up while we do what God's called us to do all right, so there's some stuff out there. Second Samuel chapter 23, we see a story of a guy named Shammah. Shammah was one of David's mighty men. David was a king, Old Testament, Israel. Um, most people know who King David was, but King David rolled with a group of guys that would slap take you out if they needed to. These were some bad guys. And we have two verses that let us know just a little bit about this guy named Shammah. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herorite. Anybody here a Herorite this morning? Anybody? I said, we've got the Sims, and we've got the Heirs, and I see we've got the Wildings back there, and, and we've got the Millers, and we've got some Griggs in the house this morning. We, we don't have any Herorites this morning. So make sure. Boy, I had some weird names for groups of people back then. So Shammah's out there, and when the Philistines banded together, at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. This sounds awesome. This is like reeks of Braveheart or Gladiator. You know, you got one dude staring down a group of people and just taking them on and taking them out and... There's this great victory, but there's a little bit that we can learn for our own personal lives in this story, and I want to spend the rest of the time that we have here this morning kind of digging into it because I don't want you to walk out of a service like today where we're saying that we want to stand and we want to make a difference and we want to do our part where God has done so many awesome things for us already today. I don't want you to walk out of here naive thinking that taking a stand means that your life is going to be sunshine and rainbows because it's not. There's going to be some work that has to be done. There's a reason why. I want you to listen to me. There's a reason why not many churches make a powerful impact in their communities and in the world. And that reason why is because when life starts to happen, people cash in and fold. And they stop doing what God has called them to do because of what happens around them. People... Churches are not effective for a couple of reasons. One, because sin is prevalent in the hearts of people because they don't take their, their relationship with God serious. But the second reason is people don't like paying the price to see God use them in a powerful way. And I don't want you to think this morning 
that me challenging you to take a stand, to stand up, and to do your part isn't going to cost you something because it's going to. That's why not many people do it. But you know what I know? I know that we are not normal people. We don't serve a normal God. And I believe that there's untapped potential in this church. We are here and we're positioned for a purpose to do something powerful in this community. And I believe that God is putting together a group of people that are not afraid to pay the price that's necessary to see him do something powerful in and through their lives. Would you agree with that this morning? I think he's got something going here today. So Shama's out there and here come the Philistines. And I want to just talk about some observations that I saw while reading through this. Is that first one was this, that the Philistines, they, they kept popping up. The Philistines were a recurring issue for Israel. All through the Old Testament, if you've read through it, these guys, the Philistines, were always popping up and causing trouble, especially during the time of Saul and David and, and Jonathan and, and all those guys. They were always popping up. And I know that we don't have a band of Philistines that pop up to frustrate us and aggravate us in life. But I tell you what, we sure do have some problems that pop up every once in a while, don't we? Consistently. Reoccurring issues. It's always going to, there is always going to be some kind of conflict in our lives. Jesus said this world was jacked up. He said this world's going to be full of trouble. You know, we're going to have to face it. He also said that he overcame the world. But he said this world is going to be full of trouble. It's going to be a reoccurring thing in our lives that we're going to have pressures. We're going to have situations. We're going to have circumstances. We're going to have obstacles that we're going to have to deal with externally in life that's going to try to distract us and pull us away from the task that God has called us to do. And I want to challenge you this morning that when those things flare up and they show their face, that you continue to stand and you take them on. That you don't cash out. That you don't fold. And you don't tap out like so many people do when life hits. They immediately begin to implode. Don't do that. Continue to stand. Now, it's one thing to talk about external circumstances and pressures of life because it's out there. I mean, money's going to be tight from time to time. The boss is just going to say something from time to time. I get it. It's going to happen. There's going to be friction in relationships from time to time. And those things I can deal with, like those things I can navigate through because I get that life is life and life is not all chocolate cake and happy birthday. I get that. Sometimes you're just going to have to gut through stuff and go through the process. I get that. In fact, in, in Hebrews, uh, or not Hebrews, in James uh, chapter 1, James told us about this um, because not all conflict in our life is bad. I want you to hear me. Not all conflict in your life is bad. James chapter 1 says this, it says, go ahead and put that up on here, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, I can handle external circumstances in my life going crazy because I understand this principle. I understand that if I stay in the process and I let God move in my life, that this stuff that I'm going through is being used to sharpen me and make me stronger and to make me better, to teach me perseverance so that I can be mature and complete in my walk with God at the end of the day. I love that. 
I don't like going through this stuff, but I understand that not all conflict is bad. With the external stuff, I can deal with I can deal with you being mad at me. I can deal with that. I can deal with somebody flipping me off. I can deal with that kind of I can deal with there not being that much money in the bank because I know God's a provider. I know he's the solution. Where I get into trouble with these crazy reoccurring Philistine-type problems that pop up in my life is when they're not external issues. It's when I'm dealing with the same junk over and over again right here. Or when I'm dealing with the same battle right here. These reoccurring issues. Man, that can be frustrating sometimes, can't it? Like, I can deal with, with issues at work. But, but it's different when I become frustrated with myself because now it's not I know how to deal with all this other stuff. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with my own weakness. I'm trying to figure out how to not let myself be my own enemy. Have you experienced that before? Man, you, you get into the word and you're like, this is the season that I am going to change. And so I start, I get over my anger. I start reading Bible verses about anger. And I start reading Bible verses. I start memorizing scripture. And I start praying and I get in the presence of God. Do something in my life. Do something in my heart. And then somebody does me wrong. And I'm like, da 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 And I've got to go back. And apologize again for something that I... Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Where you've worked to, to get over lust in your life. And you think that you got it all together. And then that lady walks by and <laughs> here goes the war. Or that guy walks by and it's <laughs> here goes the war. Again. Again. See, it's those reoccurring internal issues that can frustrate you so bad and cause you to not want to stand up and fight the fight because you've done it over and over and over again. It's different when I'm dealing with all this other stuff, but when I'm having to deal with myself again. Listen, I want to challenge you today. Listen, even if you're dealing with the same issue inside here and inside here over and over and over again, that the passage of Scripture in James still applies. It wasn't just written for all the junk that goes on in life out here. It was also written for the stuff that we've got to deal with right here. All right? So while we're dealing and wrestling with this stuff, listen, count it joy because God's still working on you. You might not be there yet, but one day at a time, if you will let him change you from the inside out, you'll get to where he wants you to be, and the reoccurring battle might come up, but you continue to stand, you continue to trust, you continue to stay in the process because when it's all said and done, God is going to do something in you that's going to make you more mature and more complete on the other side. Don't give up in the middle of a fight. Don't give up in the middle of a fight. The second thing that I noticed when I was reading through this is that when Shama or Shama took, I used to call him Shama, and then somebody told me the correct name, the correct way to say his name was Shama. So I'm trying to be correct. But, you know, sometimes when you're preaching, it's hard to get that right. So whatever I say is kind of what I say this morning. But his name's supposed to be Shama. But here's what I noticed that when he stood to do this, that he was left alone when he did it. He was left alone when he did it. I want to read this. It says, it says that when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from him, fled from them. Like they took off and just started running. They're gone. 
Israel had a pretty good track record of not fighting when they were supposed to fight, especially during this time period, you know. Um, and I just see this guy standing there with a sword, and here comes the Philistines, and he's like, all right, let's get them. Oh, snap. They're gone. Like, everybody's gone, and he's there by himself, you know. And I don't get that because the, the, the Israelite troops, like, they, they were probably dressed for battle because they were soldiers. They're dressed for battle. They've got the gear. They've got the weaponry. They've got an enemy right in front of them. But when the time came to take a stand and do the fighting, they took off running. And Shammah was left there by himself. You know, there's a difference between people that take a stand and people that run from the fight. And I want us to be people that take a stand. Not the crowd that runs. A whole lot of people ran. One individual took a stand. There's a whole other sermon in that right there. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that stands his ground when everybody else is running. Amen? Now, here's what's crazy, though, that they should have stayed there for battle. They should have, they should have fought with him. They should have had Shama's back. Like, they should have been right there side by side fighting with him. Have you ever gone through a season where you were in the middle of a battle, in the middle of a fight in your life, and you had to do it alone? When there should have been an army around you to help you get the victory, but you found yourself alone. Have you ever had those friends in your life that looked apart? And they look like soldiers, and they got the armor, and they got the sword, and they're right there. But when you go through a season of conflict, they're nowhere to be found. They look like friends, and they talk like friends, and they look like the people, and they talk like the people that ought to be able to be there to back you up. But when the time comes, you find yourself doing it by yourself. Oh, I can relate to that all day long. I've been in ministry for a long time. I can tell you all about doing stuff by yourself. But isn't it incredibly frustrating, though? When the people that you're supposed to be able to count on let you down and you have to go through this stuff by yourself. And it might have been a friend. It might have been a family member. It might have even been somebody in church. It might have been somebody from this church. Here's what I've learned, man. If there is a way for people to let you down, eventually people are going to be people and people are going to make mistakes. That's why I have learned not to put my trust or my confidence in people. I put my trust and my confidence in God because I know people can leave me high and dry, but God's never going to leave my side. You know, people will always, always do that. And you might find that rare friend that will do battle with you. If you find somebody like that, oh, you better remember their birthday. You better treat them right. Man, you better buy them something good, take them out for pizza, wash their car for them, treat them because that is a rare jewel in your life. Finding someone who will be faithful to fight with you. But I had a feeling that there might be some people here this morning that have gone through seasons of your lives where you've had to walk through it alone. And I want to encourage you that if you're coming out of that or if you're in the middle of that today where you're having to stand up and you're having to face the enemy and maybe you're having to do it alone, that you're in good company. You're in good company. Because Elijah had to face the prophets of Baal by himself. That Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness by the enemy, by Satan, he faced Satan out there by himself. He did it alone. When David faced Goliath, 
that same army of Israel was hiding back there refusing to fight. And he had to walk out to the battle line and he did it alone. And you know what the common denominator in all of them were? Victory, victory, victory every time. Because they learned something that I want you to get this morning. Is that when you feel like you're alone, you're not really alone. Because you've got a God that fights with you and a God that goes alongside you. And even if everyone else turns their backs and walks away, you serve a God that will never fail. That will never forsake. He is always true to his word. And he will always stand with you and knock down the enemies before you. Every time. We serve a God that's powerful. So even if you've got to stand alone now or stand alone this year through certain seasons, be encouraged because even if you feel alone, you're not really alone because we've got a God that goes to battle before us, behind us, and with us as we march. Amen? Here's something else that I, I noticed this morning or you know, this week as I was, was praying. Is it wasn't... Just that he was alone and just that he went through that. But it was that the guy actually stood. He took a stand and he fought. He took a stand and he fought. That's amazing to me. Left alone. Had to be outnumbered. He's in a field. Here come the Philistines. And the dude stands and fights. Oh! You know what I mean? I mean, guys, tell me, does that not just get you going right there? Get that sword drawn to come on, come on, come on. I'm going to give it worse than you're going to give it to me. I guarantee you. Just come on, come on, come on. He stood and he took the, and he fought. Like that had to be awesome to see happen. Can you imagine how much te- just raw testosterone was out on that battlefield? Just, ah! Just taking them out. Three weeks later, a 12-year-old boy could walk across that field and instantly have a full beard and hair all over his chest. Just, just like that. So much testosterone out there. <clears throat> it had to be awesome to see. And like when I picture this Shama guy, I picture, like I don't picture like some short little runt looking dude. I picture a guy that's like six foot eight, just 400 and something pounds of just raw, you don't want to mess with me, you know? Like I picture he's got to have a nine pack. Like there's got to be extra abs in there somewhere on a dude like that, you know? I just picture 40 inch biceps, just, ah! Just the man's man out there going to battle. So I was like, this guy's got to be awesome. I wish I could get a time machine and go back in time and, and talk to this guy or watch this battle take place because this is awesome. This is awesome. One dude is standing up and doing all of this stuff, and I'm like, i got to know what this guy's name means. i got to know what this guy's name means because it's got to be something awesome. Because when they named people back then, like the, the names that they gave you would have some kind of uh, prophetic reason for them giving you the name. Or it would be tied to a situation that was happening about the time that you were born. Like when uh, Isaac, uh, Abraham and them, they, they named Isaac, Isaac. You know what Isaac means? It means laughter. It means laughter. They named him Isaac. It means laughter because his mom, Sarah, the Bible says laughed within herself when Abraham told her what God had promised them and a child and she went <laughs> okay you do know how old we are right you know a kind of deal um so they called him laughter uh Moses the name Moses means out of the water out of the water 
Because when they found Moses, he was floating in a basket going down a river, and they took him out of the water. You know, Jacob, uh, Jacob's name matched him pretty good before he had his encounter with God. You know, it meant supplanter or deceiver or heel grabber. You know, it was, he had a pretty jacked up name till he encountered God, and God changed his name to what? Israel. Gave him a different name. So this name Shama, I had to know. I had to know what kind of name was given to a dude that was capable of doing such an awesome thing. Where do you see this? Here's what Shama means. Shama, in different meanings of the word, means fear. It means to run away. It means devastated. And it means humiliated. Wait a minute. I mean, are you thinking what I was thinking when I saw this? I'm like, really? The dude that took a stand in the field when the army got out of Dodge, the guy that took out the Philistine army that was coming at him, that dude, his name, that dude's identity, that dude's heritage, that, that fear to run away, to be devastated, to be humiliated. And I thought, what is the deal with that? So I looked up the name of his dad, Aji, and it means coward and one who runs. What? I mean, that doesn't make sense. But somewhere along the way, he found a way to overcome his identity and his past to step into something new in his life. Had to be. And I was wondering how many people would be here today that could identify with Shama's name. That you've been wrapped up in fear for years. Scared to step out into what God has called you to do with your life. If there's a dream in your heart, something that just won't go away, that God keeps bringing back over and over and over again. But because of fear, you don't step out into it. I wonder if there's anybody here today that's had to deal with fear in recent seasons of life. And maybe even the thought Today, it, the thought jumped in your mind when we're talking about us each doing our part to see that the kingdom of God is built up and this church is able to do what God has called us to do. That struck fear into your heart because that means you're going to have to come face to face with whatever this is that God's put inside of you that seems bigger than something that you could ever accomplish on your own. And I got news for you. When God does something in and through you, it's always bigger than something you could ever accomplish on your own. Don't let fear hold you back. Maybe it's not just fear. Maybe put that definition back up there again, if you don't mind, guys. I, leave it up there. I want, I want you guys to see this. Maybe, maybe you've got a track record of running away. Maybe you've got a track record of dressing up and looking the part. But when the battle comes, you're like the troops of Israel and you run away. Did you get consistency for a little while in your life, but when the pressures come in, and the reoccurring issues that you have to deal with over and over again in your life flare up. 
instead of pushing through and trusting God to do the work in you and trusting in the victory, you run away before God can do what he wants to do in your life. Maybe you've just, in recent months and in the last year, you've been completely devastated. And I know for a fact there are people in here today that have been devastated because I've cried with you and I've prayed with you and I've counseled with you and I've walked through it with you. And those hard seasons of life when things are just absolutely devastating, if you're not careful, it can rob you of your very will to live. It can rob you of the passion and the joy of life that God so much wants you to have. And I'm not trying to downplay or negate what might have happened to you to devastate. I, I get it. I've walked through devastating seasons before. I get it. But I don't want you to give up and I don't want you to lose heart because you serve a God that can heal and that can restore and can give you better days ahead than what you've had behind you. Don't let devastation in your life become your identity and don't let it rob you of being the greater you that God's called you to be and maybe you've tried to be that person and you failed and you're humiliated maybe even the thought of trying again it just takes all the wind out of your sails because you've tried to do something awesome for God and you failed and you feel embarrassed you've tried to overcome the sin in your life and you failed and you're embarrassed and you're humiliated you put yourself out there and you put yourself at risk and you put yourself at a place where if God didn't do something, you were going to fall flat on your face and you fell flat on your face and you're humiliated. I think if we're honest, we can all relate to the name Shama because we've all experienced these things in one way or another in our lives. Am I telling the truth? Yeah. In one way or another, we've all experienced these things. But he refused to be defined by his name. And he refused to be defined by the heritage that was passed on to him by his father. He chose, instead of being someone who's fearful, that runs away, that's devastated or humili humiliated, to be a person who would take a stand in a field and fight an enemy. There had to be a change there. I want to challenge you today to take a stand, to stand up and allow God to make a change in your life that can transform you from the person who identifies with that with being the person that would stand up in the field to do their part and to fight the battle today. Because this is what I know. Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 it says therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here you're a new creation today and we stand at the beginning of a new year with new possibilities chances to dream new dreams to set new goals, to move past the past and see God do something new in our life. The Bible says that his mercies to us are new when? Every morning, every 
day. Every day is an opportunity for a new beginning. Every day is an opportunity to step away from the old identity that we had and to step away from the situations that we've had. Not that you can really ever negate that, but we can allow God to do something in our lives, to create something new in us, to do a work in us, to position us, to be that new creation that he called us to be in life. Here's what I know. I also know this, that Satan knows your name and he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. He knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. He calls you by possibility. He calls you by that seed that he's planted inside of you. He calls you by your potential. He calls you by the work that he's done on the cross that says that you are free, that says that you are forgiven, that says that all those that are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. When he speaks your name, he speaks the power and potential that's resident inside of you by his spirit don't allow the enemy to put a label on you that says that you can't that you won't that the best years of your life are behind you you believe the promise of God that says you are a new creation you are a new creation here's something else He stood, but God brought the victory. He stood, but God brought the victory. I'm so grateful for what God has done in this place today. I'm so grateful for the healing that's taken place, and I'm so grateful for His presence that's been in here today. I want to challenge you as a church. I want to challenge you as a person to be a person that will stand. So there wasn't really anything special about Shama. He didn't have a great heritage. He didn't even have a great name. But he took a stand. And because he stood up, God was able. legacy for us individually that's a legacy that I want for myself and I want for you and I want for this church is that not that we were anybody special or not that we had a great name or maybe even that we had the talent or the resources or we had the great strategy or the creativity to outthink all the other people We could be people that would just stand when nobody else wants to stand. That we could be a church that would commit in a culture that doesn't want to commit. That we could stand and do our part to see the kingdom of God expand and watch lives be impacted and changed. Even if it means we stand by ourselves. Even if it means that we have to fight battles. Even if it means that we find ourselves on the short end of the stick. Wondering where the resources are going to come from. To accomplish the dream that we know that God has put on our hearts. That we're the kind of people that stand. 
and believe for God to do something beautiful in our lives. Because when we just simply stand, He brings the victory every time. When we're willing to stand and fight in our personal lives, He brings the victory. When we're willing to stand and fight, we see victory in our community. Because there are people dying and going to hell every day that desperately need the hope that you and I have. The question is, are we going to stand? There are so many opportunities that are laid before us as a church. So many powerful things that we could see happen this year. But they won't happen if we don't individually make the decision to stand and to do our part. And I want to ask you today, if you'll just stand. Because if we'll stand and we'll do our part, God will bring about the victory in our lives. Amen? Let's give God praise for his word this morning. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I I know we've had a lot of stuff happen today. And I don't apologize for any of it because I believe that God has led us one step at a time through this service. And that what we're about to do is just icing on the cake. I didn't know if I was going to do this this morning or not, but because... There's a potential for it to be offered. There's a potential for it to put people on the spot. But it just will not get off of my spirit today. I don't want to do a traditional altar call today or ask you to lift your eyes or to lift your hands. Because today has been about moving forward and becoming who God has called us to be. And taking that stand and standing up and taking our part and doing our part in what God has called us to do. So as we wrap up this service today, before we finish with the offering in a little bit, I just want to ask you one question. Will you stand? Will you stand? Even if it means a battle. Even if it means looking at yourself in the mirror again to deal with your own issues. Even if it means that you're going to stand alone. Will you stand? Will you stand to be the person that God has called you to be? Will you stand and dream a crazy dream? A possibility. And do your part to see it come to pass. Will you stand? Will you step out of that old identity? Will you step out of the devastation? Will you step out of the past? And will you allow God to do something new in you and through you this year? Will you stand? So I'm going to count to three this morning, and this is how we're going to do it. The band's going to play softly. I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand in this sanctuary today. And when you stand, you're signifying that you're willing to make a stand to do your part, to become who God has called you to be, and do what God has called you to do. And I believe that God will reveal that to you as time comes. 
When you stand, you're saying, I'm moving past my past and I'm moving into the future that God has called me to. When you stand, I believe something powerful is going to happen. And when you stand, I want you to say two words. I want you to say, I'll stand. I'll stand. And one at a time, we're going to give an opportunity for everyone in this place to stand up and say, I'll stand for my God. I'll stand for my Jesus. I'll stand. And once you stand, I want you to stay standing. And it's my heart that everyone in this place would take a stand today. Not just in the sanctuary, not just, not just to symbolize something, but that a change takes place today where we begin to take a stand to become who God has called us to be. On a whole new level in a whole new way so on the count of three I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand and when you stand I want you to say I'll stand one at a time I want us to stand and make a change today if you will here we go one two three will you stand